You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy. Good morning. You are listening to The Happiness Hub or whatever time of day it is, because I usually record my podcast in the evening, but it's actually a Tuesday morning. So we've had a little bit of a break over the last couple of weeks. I've been looking for gainful employment and Liz has been um, in employment and away this week down in Anglesey. So we're coming to the end of our fourth series, which is all about hidden conditions and uh, chronic diseases. And this week, I've got a little bit of a different guest who I've been wanting to come on the podcast for a little while. My, uh, we have a mutual friend called Nikki. So shout out to Nikki, who know, listens to the podcast every so often. And I've finally been able to uh, arrange a meeting with Sarah. So Sarah Palmer has come on today and she's going to talk to us about the community alcohol free group that she runs called Sobalicious. So good morning, Sarah. Nice to have you on with us today. Good morning. It's really lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. That's quite all right. I'm, I'm glad you could make it today. I have have this week off, so I'm just doing a bit, few bits and bobs around the house and uh, give me a bit more flexibility to, to interview people and get back into the swing of things. So, Sarah, um, tell us a little bit about Sobalicious and how it kind of all came about. You said you set it up in 2019? Yeah, I did. I um in 2019, I went to my first sober event, and it was um, actually organised by uh, a group called Club Soda, who are quite big. They've got sort of thousands and thousands of members, and Club Soda came to my my local town. And um, I had such an amazing experience of meeting other sort of like-minded sober people that I just wanted to do it all over again. So I initially I set it up to to organise sort of alcohol-free meetups uh, in Kent and in my local area, so I could meet up with other like-minded sort of alcohol-free people. And since then, it, it's evolved, and and it, I've gone from I think my first sober event was a guided foraging walk. And what else have I did? I did uh, initially, I did a yoga gong bath uh, meetup. Um, so they were sort of things you could do that didn't involve, you know, massive drinking uh, so that you could chat and meet other people, other like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And I found that the connection that I got from meeting other people just gave me sort of a sense of comfort and strength that I wasn't alone. Um and when I initially gave up drinking, I did it all on my own. And I sort of felt like I was, well, I, I didn't know anyone like me that had given up drinking. It just seemed like the whole world was full of lots of people who drank. And um, so it can, it felt a little bit isolating. So setting up the group has, has enabled me to meet other people. So I sort of did it for my own needs. And over time, that has, that has sort of changed and the focus has, and I, I really can see how, uh, I'm really helping other people. And during the pandemic, um, I guess the focus had to change because we couldn't go out and we couldn't have these events and we couldn't meet each other in real life. And so uh, we went online and we um, started doing sort of group chats on Zoom. Everybody, you know, got into Zoom uh, during the pandemic. So people from basically all over the UK are within this this sort of online community um, I've got like a Facebook group and we all sort of chat to each other it's it's quite informal it's quite relaxed uh, we all support each other when we have bad days and that's sort of you know it's sort of grown organically there has never really been 
uh, a plan in place. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where we're at today. We've got about 300 members sort of um, on, on Facebook. So not the biggest group in the world, but I think people quite like the fact that it's small, it's mm -hmm. private um, and everybody is very kind. There's no judgment. Um, and uh, there's just lots of love. And um, by sharing how we're feeling and being honest, uh, I think people can learn from each other. And I think that's what's, what, what I've discovered from the group is the power in just sort of talking and mm. sharing um, and not bottling things up inside. And um, and so, yeah, that's that's a little bit about Sobelicious. <laughs> <laughs> 300 members. I mean, I know you say that's not um, a large group, but it's enough to, if you're having a Zoom meeting, to kind of facilitate or I suppose everybody yeah. doesn't come at the same time. But, yeah. Yeah, we, we have the Zoom chats um on Tuesday and Thursday evenings at eight in case any of your listeners wanted to join okay. um, and we have another one on a Wednesday at 12 and we have a book club once a month and so the online event side has really taken off and I and I think it makes it more accessible um, so some some good has come out of the pandemic so yeah and and 300 members not we don't have three members that turn up for the chats every week yeah normally it's a handful of people and we just sit there and and, and talk about whatever's on our mind yeah it's interesting because some of the people I've had on this um, this this series and talking about dealing with, you know, conditions and things that they're struggling with. A lot of people have said that Facebook has been really great for them because they've been able to go on and um, talk to people who get it. Because you said just in, in that little intro that you thought that you were the only person because I suppose not many people talk about alcohol or consider that it's getting in the way of life and things. I suppose it's still something that's quite taboo, would you say? I would say that there is a lot of shame from the people that I have in my group and that I talk to, a lot of people are too embarrassed to put their hands up and, and say, oh, I think that um, I drink too much. Um, and I think if if you go to the doctors, it's quite common to, you know, if the doctor asks you how many units a, a week you drink, you tend to sort of, um, you know, not <laughs> tell the truth and say yeah. a little bit less. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, when I decided to give up drinking, I really suffered, uh, like physically, I felt very, very, very unwell. Mm. And uh, on the day I decided to give up drinking, I knew that I would have to go to the doctors because I felt so unwell. Uh, and I thought, well, he's going to say to me, you know, how much do you drink? And I'm going to say, well, uh, and I, I thought, well, if I'm honest with him, he'll say, the first thing you need to do is you need to cut down on how much you drink mm -hmm. so I decided well I'm going to cut I'm going to stop and then I can uh, go to the doctors uh, and know and, and then I, I basically knew that if I if I wasn't drinking and I still felt unwell that he had to take me seriously so for me it's sort of that sort of shame and sort of around uh, around drinking sort of led me actually to sort of stop and and actually I did start to feel physically a lot better once I decided that I was gonna stop drinking so yeah what led you to that point when did you decide enough was enough and that you needed to stop altogether um I think it was quite a long process for me I had a bit of a breakdown probably about two years before I decided to stop drinking mm -hmm. uh so my mental health was in a bad place 
and I and I did some CBT and and with the CBT it sort of gave me I guess um some tools to that I carried with me and it sort of basically made me perhaps start to look at what was causing me to feel um anxious and depressed so it was a bit of a sort of awakening uh and me starting to try to do different things and work out how I could help myself the drinking was the last place I looked I didn't think it had had would have any consequence I didn't realize there was a link between alcohol and mental health I didn't know that it was um, hurting me mentally and it was actually the physical effects that made me sort of eventually go well I need to stop because I'm getting terrible headaches and I feel tired all the time and I'm lethargic. Um, I had a rash all over my body. I mean, it was the, the physical signs were all there that, and were trying to tell me, you know, your, um, you know, that my body was screaming out, basically saying, you know, I'm not well. I'm not well. So that was what made me stop. And I'm glad I did because, you know, I, I there were so many telltale signs and that I needed to sort of. Uh, take stock and, and and look at and I just ignored them because I, I just never realized that the amounts that I was drinking were um, were damaging I just thought it was normal mm-hmm. and actually I think that society does normalize drinking um, and and actually encourages us all mm-hmm. to, to, to 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 drink we drink when there's a funeral we drink when it's Christmas we drink when it's a birthday we drink when we're happy we drink when we're sad we drink uh, when babies are born um, there isn't really any occasion where people don't drink and if you if you don't drink you you sort of um people question you and yes, say why are you drinking what, what, go, on, go on did you have a problem you know that like so you know there is we talked a little bit about the shame and the stigma there is such a you know when you when you give up drinking it's not like giving up smoking because if you give up smoking people pat you on the back and go oh, that's amazing well done you know how did you do it if you give up drinking there's just an awkward silence mm. and a bit like, oh, OK. Um, so, you know, coming on today is good because it, um, it it hopefully makes people, anyone listening to my story might relate to it. And it sort of breaks that stigma, um, might make people question whether they also have like an unhealthy relationship with drinking. For me, I now really relate to alcohol like a horrible ex that was quite manipulative um, and would, you know, possibly want to woo me back and seduce me um, with, you know, and they, and, you know, the adverts on the telly are sort of like calling me perhaps, you know, particularly at Christmas time where, you know, all, all the advertising on telly is all around drinking and stuff. Um, But for me, yeah, I just see uh, alcohol as like a toxic ex that um, I don't want to let them back in my life because Mm. they, they hurt me and um they, they weren't you know helping me live my best life um which is you know what I want to do now mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way of looking at it I mean toxic because it is poison to your body isn't yeah. it and um do you do you ever remember it makes me think of um Bill Hicks the comedian Bill Hicks and he was he was a bit of an advocate of you know doing well well, not an advocate but he talked about doing drugs and things but then he was uh, talking about um the fact that you know they're all illegal but then the next thing you see in the tv is like this birds for you and he's like that's just as harmful as any drug Uh, it's just that the government's making lots of money out of it but yeah 
that, yeah, it can be, it's not just a shame, is it? But it's the attitude that we kind of have to alcohol. And when you go out and socialize with people and people expect you to be having a drink, it's, yeah, it's very much so. Um, the other thing that you said there as well was about, um, you know, kind of being alone and how that you cut alcohol out on your own. So mm-hmm. what, what was that like? I mean, did you get any help from the doctors at all or friends and family? I never talked to, the, you know, ironically, you know, I said about going to the doctors and he never asked me about oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> how much I drank, which I thought, wow, OK. And actually, even that in itself is quite an interesting thing to talk about, isn't it? Because, you know, when I had that breakdown, alcohol was never discussed. I went for counselling. My alcohol was never discussed. So I think there's a lot more work that can be done to support people Mm. and um, ask the questions. You know, I did it just uh, I did it on my own. I know that a lot of people in, in my group. Um, have lots of different ways that they decide that they, they're going to give up. Some people find that going to the AA is beneficial to them. Some people are very against the AA because there's it's not doesn't fit for, for some people. There's smart recovery. There's a group called Alcohol Change UK who have, um, there's many apps as well that you can use which um, count the number of days that you haven't had a drink. Some people try to cut down. For me personally, I am a bit of an all or nothing person. So having been a smoker before and having been a yo-yo dieter, I know that getting to the point where I am like fully committed and ready to, to, to sort of address something can take me a really, 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 really long time. And it takes like one puff of a cigarette to then all of a sudden you're back smoking again. Uh, again with the diet you know you can spend a long time losing lots of weight and then Christmas comes along and oh my goodness it's a whole you know it's not just Christmas that you overeat you then end up eating before you go back to trying to eat healthily so I knew from my knowing my own patterns that if I was going to give up I wanted to give up forever and I just made that mental decision that it was just taking up too much space in my head I was thinking about it too much you know I won't drink on a Monday and I won't do this and I'll I'll only have a little glass of wine once once a day anyway it just took up too much of my headspace um and so I just stopped and I didn't have any support and I guess that really motivated me to to do this community thing because I feel that there are so many people out there who struggle on their own Mm -hmm. uh, that maybe don't want to go to AA because of the stigma that don't really relate to maybe the term being an alcoholic maybe they think that they're um there's a term in the sober community which is called like a, a gray area drinker where you're somewhere in the middle you you know you drink a bit too much you wouldn't necessarily identify as being an alcoholic so for people like that I mean in my community there's a range of people there's lots of different people um, people who would identify as alcoholics people who uh, would maybe call themselves grey area drinkers at the end of the day the goal is we don't want to drink so that's 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 what we have in common and whatever path it takes to to get us through the day we all just sort of support each other so to answer your question how did I give up I think I've, I've possibly gone around <laughs> in a circle <laughs> um yeah it what you know from my experience we all need to sort of work through I guess what it was that made us want to drink 
Yeah. So you said some CBT was was something that helped you. Is that CBT definitely helped me. And I think quite often when people give up drinking, that's one part of the process. That's quite a difficult decision to make and to come to terms with and to accept that uh, alcohol is not having a, the, a positive effect on you physically, mentally. Uh, but then what can be the most difficult part of the process is um, when you're experiencing emotional difficulty it's how do you deal with that discomfort Mm -hmm. because if you're used to self-medicating with a glass of wine because you've had a bad day what do you do when you've had a bad day and you can't reach out for that glass of wine what do you do when you feel really sad what do you do when you feel really anxious about I don't know a job interview the next day um so we're sort of learning how to sit with those discomfort, the discomfort, the uncomfortable feelings, and le- and and that's really part of again where where my personal growth has come from. It's it's sort of um, finding a, a healthier way. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a lot of people in the group have had trauma in their lives, yeah. and actually, you know, that seems to be quite a common theme as well. Maybe something really awful happened when they were growing up. Maybe they had um, parents who were heavy drinkers, so that was just normal for them. And yeah, uh, you, you, so you go from sort of numbing things out so you don't have to feel the pain. And that is a, a safe place to be with your glass of wine. You just numb down your pain. Yes. And without that, you can be left feeling quite exposed, quite raw and almost like being a baby. You know, you, you're sort of not sure how to manage and regulate your emotions. And you feel things very sensitively. You know, you... you um, you know, you, you, it's, it is a difficult, it's a difficult, but it's a, it's so worthwhile. And actually there are many, many people in the world who might be listening to this going, well, um, you know, that, that sounds strange, but you know, um, I don't know. I, I question it. I wonder, I mean, you know, am I the unusual one who um, reaches for the wine? Or, I don't. Does everyone, does everyone <laughs> feel like that? I mean, I, I, I sort of, I'm not sure what's normal and what's not. But for me, I can only really talk about me. Um, I, I find emotions difficult to, to manage, um, and I sort of accept that now. And I'm, I say, I'm, I'm finding different ways to, to deal with um, anxiety, um, stress, sadness, pain. Uh, yeah. So I don't. I think from knowing some of my audience already I don't think that people will think that you're you're the unusual one and some I think a lot of people that will resonate with a lot of people and doing the work that you do you must know that there are other people out there like that as well and but I I also think that I know personally in my life that there are people who struggle with their emotions and perhaps use alcohol to to, to numb those and personally I know that I have myself as well and I think the important thing to note there, and you, you did highlight about it, is finding what works for you as well, because everybody is different. And I remember when I first, when I first got in contact with you, and I think you, you'd been on a podcast before, she so sent me that, but you also sent me a list of all these things that you do. And I was like, how does she do? How do you do all that? <laughs> and, and then it made me think, well, you, you freed up so much time in your life through quitting alcohol because it's not just, you know, enjoying the evening, is it? And having a drink with friends and family. It can be like the next morning when you're not feeling 100% as well. 
And even um, I, I follow, it's in Moby, I follow on Instagram because he's always going on about animal rights and things. But he's been sober for God knows how many uh, um, years. And he was talking just the other day about at 2 a.m. in the morning, he'd gotten up and he wrote the song and he wouldn't have been able to do that when he, he was going through his drinking phase. So you mentioned CBT and I know different things work for different people, but what kind of things have, have you come across that people in your group talk about that's helped them? What different things do people use? In terms of uh, dealing with their emotions or in terms of not drinking or yeah, I suppose. both? Yeah, I, I, I guess a, a combination of both because I'd imagine your CB pro, CBT probably helped you if you're not drinking, but also recognising and acknowledging and being aware of those feelings as well. Yeah, I mean, I have... Um, one of the things I've done since I stopped drinking was I... Um, I'm a trainee counsellor so I've started mm. learning about the, the mind and how it works and I think knowledge and understanding things is it, it gives you sort of strength and comfort and power because one you might not be able to say you've got anxiety you you might never be able to to completely eradicate that from your life but if you can sort of understand it it sort of demystifies it um so uh lots of people in my community are massive readers and they all like to read and just educate themselves on the science behind alcohol and on addiction and on drinking yeah there's an amazing man called Gabor Mate I'm not sure I um, have pronounced his name right but he talks a lot about uh, alcohol and about trauma and about um addiction uh he's an amazing man to 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 follow um but there are millions of you know different authors out there in the sober world who have that uh, share about their life how their sober journey um and, and instagram is an amazing place as well mm-hmm. just to be inspired by other people to look at to listen to their stories to learn from other people i think people are more and more brave now about talking publicly about their, their, their journeys and I think we can all learn from each other and I think that the more people that are open and not ashamed and frightened to talk then we can all learn from each other and that's definitely what we try and do in the group we on these group chats they're very informal but quite often you might have somebody who's like a week of giving up alcohol somebody who's maybe three years in down the line and you know we can find strength from just listening to each other some people have slip no I say slip ups it's not really the word I want to use but some people some decide perhaps they want to moderate let's say Mm -hmm. and then they realize they can't moderate and then they really struggle to give it up again so as somebody who's sort of three and a half years um, alcohol free when I talk to somebody like that it helps me to sort of stay on my path of I don't want to drink equally hopefully I might inspire somebody who's one week that you can reach three and a half years and you can have a really full life um you mentioned about all the things that um (laughs) I'm sort of doing and for me one of the biggest things was to fill my time and in in I guess in a way it's to distract me from the, the thing oh, I want to have a, a glass of wine um, but I just have so much more time now to enjoy different types of things things I would have never like found the time to do before so counseling doing a counseling course that was one thing I joined a samba band um, 
and there's so much I get so much joy and connection from uh, the, the other people in my Samba band it's a band there's 70 people in it wow. and actually banging a drum we, we practice once a week and it's like a two and a half hour rehearsal but banging a drum is quite a mindful activity mm-hmm. um, and any activity where you can sort of lose yourself and you can get out of your own head and focus on something joyful and I mean it could be like I don't know, painting or, I mean, there's an amazing woman called Sharon Walters, who I went to a workshop of hers and she um, cuts, uh, she has, she's an artist and she cuts things out with a stencil and she said she just loses herself in the, the, the art. Um, there's another lady in my community who, um, who makes macrame. Mm. And she, again, she just loses herself and, and she lost her dad and she found that in her grief, she um, found real comfort in, do, in making different macrame designs. So I guess we've all found our niches and our ways of, find, you know, of, of, um, of taking our mind somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, did I answer your question? I can't, I've, I've lost track of what, <laughs> what your question might be. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, definitely. Yeah, you answered the question. I'm a big believer in crafts um, and that helping you with dealing anything that goes on for mental health. Um, I took up cross stitch um, over lockdown. <laughs> and now everybody's getting cross stitch patterns for, for birthdays and Christmas. And um, it is very hard to do after a couple of glasses of wine. I've spent quite a bit of time unpicking it. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer on, you know, filling your time and finding something that you enjoy. Um, especially like music and the, the, the connection that you get from from doing that. Is it like a big steel? I've got this um, ima- uh, image of a big steel drum that you're playing. It's not band? a steel drum. It is so in our band we have lots of different instruments, mainly drums. Mine's a surdu, which is a great big drum, which I wear around my waist and 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 what have you. But we have tambourines and we have the shaky shaky things, which I don't know what they're called. Uh, <laughs> Rockers. And- no it's like made of like I want to say silver but metal Mm. and it's like a long thing and they go um and do you know what's amazing about that that community um and I guess I'm drawn to it for a reason and 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 I've reflected about what what that band means to me when we all come together we're all from different walks of life there's different ages some of people are like just young like little like little teenagers and some are very very old you know sort of 70 um 80 years old um different uh classes different um cultures different sexualities um and you know the focus is all about just having fun the Mm -hmm. music and there's real acceptance there there's there's um people in the group who there's a young boy who's like transgender and you know I just it's I I just love the fact that everybody there is accepted and all prejudices are left at the door not that there should be any but I am sure everyone has some prejudice Mm. Um, and for those two and a half hours it's all about creating something together and focusing on, on yeah just just the music it's just it's it's wonderful so yeah there's a lot of um there's no judgment there I tell you what it's also quite interesting is at the beginning uh before the lockdown and this sort of shows where my mental health journey has has taken me I, I when I first started I was very anxious 
I was worried people were judging me. I thought I was a terrible person at playing the, the drums. Um, and I was, and I every time the mestra, the mestra's the man at the front that sort of does things with his hands and tells you what to do. He'd walk along and as soon as I saw him moving, I'd go, oh no, he's coming to me. I must be doing it wrong. Um, and I sort of was doing it in a really very fearful way. I was supposed to be getting joy, but actually I, I was quite scared for most of the rehearsal that I was a terrible drummer. And after the pandemic, we've gone back and all of that has left me. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess the pandemic has basically shown me that there's more important things to worry about. Like, I feel like I've calmed down quite a lot and actually it's about having fun. If I get it wrong, it doesn't matter. We're just there to have fun. Um, and uh, so I've sort of seen how I've, yeah, even in that um, time frame, I have, I suppose, evolved and settled into my being who I am. That's uh, a massive shift. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of, again, people relate to that. When you start anything new, there's always that fear of being, like you say, rubbish at something and you're going to get you getting things wrong. But everything takes practice, doesn't it? You have to start somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And not be, not be afraid. I mean, I think um, I am someone who's quite fearful and quite afraid. And I think in the past I have let that hold me back in life. And I think now I'm a bit more about uh, trying things, feeling scared. And still, you know, that book, feel the fear and do it anyway. It's 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 sort of like I'm, I'm sort of coming through the other side and thinking, OK, well, you know, you don't need to be scared. I'm sorry you can hear my cat in the background. Could you hear her having a little scratch of her collar? Sorry. Having something to eat. <laughs> um, actually, I was just uh, we had um, myself and Liz are part of uh, something called a, volunt a volunteer group called Nantwich Buddies. And uh, we had um, our first sort of uh, get together last week where we all met each other because a lot of the buddies and volunteers we haven't actually physically met. We've only done it over Zoom during lockdown. And it was really, really nice to see a lot of people face to face rather than just this sort of thing like, like we are on Zoom today. And people are like, oh, you're a lot taller than I thought you were. But um, I was asking people about coming on and being guests. And um, one of the ladies was talking about um, pets and how pets can be really, really good for your mental health. Absolutely. And um, my, my, when I first met my partner, he was uh, told me he was allergic to cats. Anyway, you soon had to get over that. <laughs> but he does fine. Like, you know, you were saying about coming home from work and having a glass of wine. And I know he'll do it. He'll come home. Well, he'll come from the spare room down here because he's not going to work anymore and have a glass of wine. But my cat loves him to bits. And he says, just sitting downstairs with the cat... And stroking her is just really great for his anxiety as well. I don't know if you if you get that uh, kind of companionship from your animals. I imagine you do. I do. Yeah, we've got guinea pigs, actually. Oh, have you? Um, and we've got a cat who um, I absolutely love my cat a bit. She's a rescue cat and she's really needy. She um, She's just the most loving animal. Um, but yeah, sitting there, spending time with the guinea pigs and then the cat as well. They all sort of, you know, climb, climb on my lap together um yeah I I absolutely love it yeah just connecting with them and sitting with them because it sort of forces you to to sort of stop yeah yeah just do nothing it's okay you don't have to be rushing here and rushing there and you know it's just let's just sit and calm down in fact one of the things I have discovered in 
in my sort of journey, um, particularly in the lockdown. There was a period where I, I had to, uh, uh, I did running. That was one thing. I, I don't like running. I, uh, but I feel that, yeah, that when I started to run in the lockdown, it, it sort of, it was a little bit like giving up drinking. It was sort of, when, when, I, when I started running, I was rubbish. Um, and I sort of couldn't imagine when I would ever be any good at running. Um, and they'd be like hills that I didn't want to climb and I couldn't imagine running up them and I'd have this mental block like oh no you you can't run up a hill oh my god look at you you're 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 big you're old you're you're red in the face you can't do that um so there were these little mental blocks and there's just I see such a parallel when I'm running to the blocks that I put in my own life um and then once you break through whatever the block is you're like oh wow and then you never question it ever again once you've done it once you're like it's a bit like coming on a podcast like oh you know oh I can't do a podcast no 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 that's way too scary and then you do one and you go oh actually it wasn't that bad Mm. um uh so yeah there was the running that was an, an amazing thing to just observe what my mind and how cruel my mind is and tells me I can't do things and sort of smashing through my what my mind's telling me and going no you can do it come on keep going you're you're doing really well talking to myself kindly you know and changing the way I talk to myself that's Mm -hmm. been such a big thing for me and I was actually going to say doing like breathing I know we all breathe but um during the lockdown I'm full breathing <laughs> I found that there was sometimes I was very 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 um not coping that well and I would be waking up at five in the morning really worrying about stuff and and uh and not being able to get back to sleep and so I started um doing these mind not what they call guided meditations mm. so if somebody else would be talking and I'd come downstairs I'd be all on my own and I'd did a little google search and found whatever it was so quite often they have little titles don't they of uh what you you know what the focus might be about so um say it was about anxiety you you know you could have a guided meditation about anxiety whatever it was and i would just do maybe 15 minutes um and i found that super helpful you know just to sort of take time a bit like sitting with a guinea pig and and the cat and just spending time just calming down and and connecting I guess with what's going on for for me you know it's like okay well let's let's listen what is what's all this about you know and just allowing yourself a bit of space to sort of try and work through what's what's going on Mm. it's so much like taking a bit of a back seat to everything isn't it when everything's whizzing around your head all the time you're worrying about stuff there's just so much in it and it's just being able to take yourself out of that and try and stop that worrying but just to calm your mind from worrying about everything take you know I I really like those uh, guided meditations I think I use is it headspace or calm there's a couple of apps oh, yeah. isn't there I've, I've really heard good. of those I haven't used them um yeah, yeah. there's um another thing that I I learned to do when I did my CBT she didn't suggest it but it sort of came from that so when I was in my darkest moments uh she sort of had to remind me of things that I well, she didn't have to remind me she tried to remind me you know well when was the last time you were happy and I, I just thought well, I can't remember mm-hmm. um and she sort of said well let's just take for example a cup of tea when you're drinking your tea I want you to rather than just drink your tea I want you to think about the tea that you're drinking and stop think about how it tastes and how it's making you feel 
And that is one of the tools that I think I've sort of taken with me, like, you know, it's part of a toolbox that she's given me of just sort of appreciating small things in, in mm-hmm. the day. Even something as simple as like uh, when I wash my hands, it sounds very silly, but the smell of the soap or the feeling of the water over like the cool water over my hands, like quite a sensual thing. And I started to go outside in the morning with my shoes off um, outside the back door when no one was awake. And just, you know, with my feet on the the floor of the ground, the the ground might be icy or it might be really hot because it's a warm day. And just, again, taking a, you know, a few minutes to sort of feel the temperature of the ground and sort of connect with the world and look at the world around, maybe listen to the birds, look at the sky. And I found that um, a really useful, helpful, strange thing to do. But for me, I found it, it quite grounding. That's what it's called, grounding. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. We talked yeah. about, we did a six-week wellness program um, a little while ago, and I, we had um, a colleague called Ben that came on and did it, and he, he's like a, a, a I can't, it's not a mind coach, but he, 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 he does that as his business, and he talks very much about grounding, and oh. about, he said, I've always been one of those kids that likes to run around without any shoes on or anything, but he says, that's great, you know, every day either do like a bit of digging in the garden and you know connecting with the soil and the earth or take your shoes off you know because whenever you go to the beach what's the first thing you always want to do is take your shoes off and have a bit of a paddle in the sea and get the sand between your toes yeah it's it's really good I'm a big believer in things like that um and cups of tea I'm from Yorkshire originally so yeah oh, I love I'm... Yorkshire tea <laughs> the Yorkshire tea bag's my favorite yeah they're my favorite too there has to be very particular though has to be the right strength like chicken soup I like mine quite like mil- milky and just the right amount of sweetness so yeah I have to that's that's a good mindful technique making me a cup of tea and having my <laughs> cup of tea <laughs> So a few things I wanted to ask about um, as we're coming towards the end of the podcast. So you've talked a lot about like reflecting and how your mental health has seemed to have shifted massively, which is a big thing. I, I think it's, you can't dispel that the power of that and how a lot of people I know w- would want that for themselves as well, you know, moving away from that anxiety and, and getting that clarity and getting rid of that everyday fear that they have just a couple of last questions about like how you manage things day to day now and and also some advice for people you kind of covered a little bit about that but how they how they could find you as well so let's first question I always do this ask too many questions how do you manage day to day now so it's three and a half years that you've been alcohol free yeah that's right I would say I'm going to take something from the AA which is they believe very much in one day at a time and I think you can really if uh, more and more recently I am really living by that and in terms of managing like mental health and anxiety slowing down and not thinking too much about what's going to happen tomorrow um, and just being present trying to enjoy the moment and it's so hard there's so many so many people talk about living in the moment and mindfulness but you know really I really feel like that has been the key to to me one, staying alcohol-free, and two, not being overwhelmed by life. So, yeah, one day at a time. In terms of how do I manage, for me, it's very simple. I just don't want to go back to how I felt before. So it's all about moving forward and protecting and looking after my 
health and my mental health and physical health wouldn't be where it is today if, if I was still drinking ridiculous amounts and um, had that unhealthy relationship with alcohol. So, and my community really helps me. I mean, having people that I can talk to, I know I started it, but it's a community-led, we all get involved. It's, um, and I get so much from the people that I talk to in my community. There are days when I'm down and I, and I really feel that if we don't connect with other people, then, and if I don't connect with other people, it's a downward spiral. And if I find myself isolating myself, I know that that's a bit of a red flag for me. It's the first sign that I'm, I'm heading into a dark period. And I sort of need to force myself to connect with other people. And, and, and by locking myself away, I'm just going to disappear down a dark hole. And I know from experience that that's not a good place for me. So I sometimes have to fight against what I want to do. I want to retreat. I want to be on my own. But actually, by, by forcing yourself to talk to people, then it makes you feel connected. It makes me feel sort of stronger and helps me to stay level and balanced. Uh, so in terms of how people can find the community, yeah, if anyone's interested, everyone's welcome. Any stage of sobriety or not not sobriety, you know, if you're super curious or um, interested in hearing other people's like, experiences, you can find Soberlicious on Facebook or on Instagram. And it's sober with an A, so S-O-B-A and then Licious. Yeah, I look forward to, to meeting you either in real life or in a, on one of the chats uh, soon. It's, you know, don't be scared to join. It's um, a really friendly, supportive, loving space. Everyone's made to feel very welcome. And that's um, all the links um, in the show notes. Um, oh, lovely. Thank you. You can find yeah. you. So that's a quick way to do it. Are you, are you back seeing people face to face? Are you still doing a lot of it online? We are going to stay with online stuff because I think there's so much benefit from people all over the UK being able to talk to each other. It's, and and I, we're also doing lots of real life stuff as well. So uh, we've got a outdoor swim coming up in, uh, where's that one? I can't remember where that one is, somewhere in Essex. We've got another swim one coming up, which is down in I think yeah, that's in Worthing. We had a boat trip uh, recently. Yeah, we're doing lots, lots yeah. of um, real life meetups, and the, and again, the community organise their own meetups depending on where they live. And I encourage everyone to to do that. Although it can feel quite scary, weirdly meeting people in real life, having <laughs> relied so heavily on Zoom calls and chatting to people online, it can feel quite weird when you go back to meeting people. And there's a lot of. Uh, being scared about actually getting unwell and and perhaps some anxiety around getting COVID so I understand that so we're going to have a balance of both for the people that like it online we'll still do that Mm -hmm. and um, for the people that want to get out and meet people in real life then we do that too so yeah it is very strange that whole dynamic of meeting people again in in person when we had our do on Tuesday night yeah we were inside and outside but it it was I felt a little bit anxious about it, I have to say, uh, but it's very much yeah, a, a different dynamic because when you're on Zoom, you're still in like your little safe place, aren't you, at home? Absolutely, and then you yeah. can kind of switch it off if you wanted to, but you, you can't do that when you're uh, in person to person. You just can't go, right, I've had enough now. I'm going to go home and have a cup of tea. Um, so the last question that I want to ask you, Sarah, is what we ask all of our guests you could you could generalize this and just tell us what makes you happy generally or if um something in particular has been making you happy 
this year now we're oh, August already more than halfway through the year I would say that being alcohol free has made me happy I think the connection with my sober group makes me happy being connected to my family um and being present is is a, such a gift and I just enjoy uh being being a being there for my my kids which I've you know uh perhaps wasn't really there for them as much as I what you know am now um what else my drums makes me happy yeah. I love my, playing my drums and you know as I say the just perhaps the thing I've really enjoyed most about the the, the pandemic in times of being particularly anxious is um is actually just nature going outside and being maybe in the woods or doing some paddle boarding just getting out there and just doing stuff outside and I find nature itself very healing um, and calming uh, particularly sort of going through the woods and um, just yeah listening to the birds and and simple things like that so yeah that's very much about being present in in fact most of our guests that we've asked on being on the happiness hub of the majority of people have said that you know, family's a big thing, obviously, but also being outside in nature, especially when it's a lovely day. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's raining down there with you, it's drizzling here. It's, um, what's it doing? It's a bit grey today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But even so, sometimes if you go to the seaside and it's, it's, the weather's not great, it's just... I think that's that's a good thing going to the sea. I like to go to the seaside. I love water. I find there's something so calming about just listening to the water, um, whether it's a stream, whether it's just the, you know the sea or the waves crashing. Um, I actually really love wakeboarding as well, and um, yeah, the, the the noise of the, the wakeboard boat um, and then the exhilaration of being behind the boat and, and wakeboarding it gives me such a, a big buzz um so I'd, I haven't done much of that this year but um that's another thing that gives me joy yeah yeah I can see that while you're talking about it <laughs> <laughs> it's been really lovely to uh, speak to you Sarah thank you for coming on this morning and, and thank you for having me it's been amazing talking to you thank you and, um yeah if um but it'd be nice to hear from some of our listeners if they come and join your your group or if they need a little bit of help um with getting alcohol free so thank you very much thank you have a great day yes you too you're listening to the happiness hub part of the redshift community podcast network with me liz parkin and me kedron elliott every episode we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy so listen in get involved and be happy